This week, join us as we discuss the importance of me time, therapy, and whether you should include your family in your social hobbies. So pour a glass of wine, lock the bathroom door, and take a deep breath. Welcome to the 80s Mom Podcast. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm Cecily. And we're two stay-at-home moms. And this week we are discussing me time because it is important, much like everything else that we talk about. Although I think maybe next to the budget, it is the most important thing because we're moms and (laughs) me time as a stay-at-home mom is pretty non-existent, hence why we have to record this podcast at like midnight because we have to wait for our children to be in bed. And asleep. And hopefully asleep. Or at least not getting back up. We hope. Mine is asleep yeah. this week, which is lovely. I did manage to edit out most of her from last week, but she was on top of me almost the entire podcast because she wanted mommy time and would not take no for an yeah. answer. So between that and my coughing, it was fun. Yeah, my daughter seems to be unaware that she has two parents. There I think are two of us. I think that's pretty common. She has options. I think that's yeah. really common. So why yeah. is why is me time important? Because as stay-at-home moms, we are always in mom mode. It's not like we can clock out, leave work, leave it at the door, come home, and everything be okay. And just be like, I'm home now and I don't have to work. Yeah. Always on. Always on. And it's exhausting to always be on. And we were having a discussion earlier about our moms and their me time. Now, (laughs) my mom was a single mom who worked full-time for the state of Illinois. Actually, she still works full-time for the state of Illinois. And uh, the only time I remember her actually having me time was when she would lock herself in the bathroom. I don't function well as a single mom. Like, when my husband leaves for work or something yeah that that doesn't go well the momming tends to get done i tend to not eat (laughs) i do that too but i also do intermittent fasting so breakfast and lunch aren't really a thing anyway i feed zandria when she's hungry but i don't worry about whether or not i'm eating you know what that's that's my new excuse (laughs) next time the husband tells me that you know, I need to be eating. I'm going to say I'm just intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is actually good for you, but you should actually plan on doing that and not just do it on accident. Not just skip meals because what you're serving the children is honestly just not that appetizing and you want something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's usually my reason. Yeah, I know that feeling. So that's what my mom did for me time. Was your mom a stay-at-home mom, Cecily? Oh, yes. She still is, actually. All four of us are out of the house, and I don't know, she she likes to read. I asked her, you know, what, what do you do for me time? Because as far as I know, you never had any. Because I, I can't picture her doing anything that wasn't child or husband or house related. And she said, oh, it felt like she just always had breaks. Because she just kept always not getting stuff done. And it's like... Well, 
not getting stuff done and having a break are not the same thing. I don't think she had a break for a good 20 years straight. <laughs> far as I know. Yeah, I don't remember much. So I I do remember my mom locking herself in the bathroom once and I called my grandma going, Grandma, mom has locked herself in the bathroom. And my grandma's like, <laughs> leave her alone. And she told my mom later, she goes, next time you want to do that, yes. I will bring you ice cream. <laughs> and you can eat your ice cream while you are locked in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, she was a single mom yeah. of three girls at the time. She had five kids ultimately. But uh, she was a single mom, mom of three. So when you have three girls in the house ranging from if I was eight or nine, Sarah would have been seven and Katie would have been five. Wow. So... <laughs> You can imagine it was a, a bit of a handful, I'm sure. That's a really, really loud and active house. Yeah, except for it was also an apartment. That's a really loud, active, and full apartment. Yeah, right? Especially, you know, it wasn't a huge apartment. It was two bedrooms, so it was very uh, hectic, to say the least. Yeah. But when you told me your mom read books, I'm like, oh, there's a luxury I don't get very often. I think right now the only books I physically read are in the bathroom. Yep. Well, apparently that is what you get to do when your children leave home. You read books. I don't know. I always have handwork. I'm always work. I mean, you saw me yesterday. I was sitting in your yard in a lawn chair, just crocheting, watching yes. the kids go insane, as they do. Watching... I'm crocheting a dice bag right now. Yay. I cannot do this in crochet. <laughs> I'm too focused and I can't count. But yeah, I was watching the your kids and mine go nuts. And then my daughter came up in her underwear. Yes. <laughs> to which I did the mom yep. thing. Where are your pants? It's always a good question. <laughs> Figure out where they were taken off first. At least she and wasn't And what was done nude. with them, if if applicable. Yeah, which we did because your daughter was happy to tell on Sandria. Yes. She was in a bucket of water and she took her pants off. I'm like, well, at least she, I guess at least she took her pants off. But why? Yes, it made sense. And then she was very upset when I had B dump out said water. Just like, oh, yes. Yes, that was very sad. Yeah, it was. It was understandable. It was her sad. water. I know. But. We had it's places. It's a nice to... thing to have water. It is a wonderful thing to have clean water, but we had places to go, and swimming was not on my list of things we were doing that day. Yeah, buckets or otherwise. So I think me time is important, and I know you think me time is important as little as we get. Jason's like, you do a podcast. That's you time. To which I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's work. It's me time for Cecily. <laughs> well, no. Because me time doesn't involve other people and usually involves, like, a murder mystery or something. Ooh, that's always good. I'm reading a good, what I think is going to be murder mystery called... Here, I'm, I gotta look it up. I read on my Kindle a lot. Because it's about the only time I have to read is when I go to bed or I'm in the bathroom. 
I am reading The Bedlam Detective, which is about a guy who investigates insane people. I think I'm only two. Ch- cool. I'm, all, I'm only four chapters in, so I really don't know yet. My so, favorite mysteries were generally in not English and on Netflix. Ah, uh, yeah, but neither of us have Netflix anymore. Yeah, they posted naughty things, and I that yes, I do not approve did. of. And the the number of subscriptions they lost are natural consequences. Netflix needs a mom. Netflix to needs explain a mom. this to them. Yeah, this is what happens when you <laughs> post inappropriate content where my children can easily get to it. My dad was talking about, oh, it's probably not that bad, and I, and I can't have an opinion if I didn't see it. And I'm like, I've seen enough to make an opinion on that. Yeah. I have no interest. I've heard enough descriptions. I I saw the uh, promos and the and the trailers, and that was Ew. more than enough. I'm not interested whatsoever. We had already canceled our Netflix account because we're trying to slim down our budget. But I was like, oh, I'll re up it when uh, Stranger Things comes out. Now I'm like, I'll wait for Stranger Things to come out on DVD. Because I hope it does someday. I think the first two seasons are on DVD. Really? Yeah. Cool. So I'll just wait. I can wait. Yes. So if our moms didn't have me time, or at least we don't think they had me time, why is me time important for you, Cecily? Uh, Because I am not my mom and I am lazy. <laughs> And I just don't function well. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're lazy. I know my friends would say I'm not lazy. I also think I'm lazy. But I do so much handwork that you probably wouldn't think of it as lazy. Except it's so much more fun to sit on your butt and crochet something than it is to like, get up and do things. Sweep the floor, do the dishes, cycle laundry. Clean the children's and bedrooms. people expect you to do things. Yeah. Well, it's kind of what I'm... we get quote-unquote paid to do. And by paid, I mean yes. we are allowed to... Ha- we, we have met men who will give us children and a roof over our heads and the ability to raise said children with a roof over our heads and not having to go to a 9-to-5 every day. Now, saying yes. that, my schedule is... Midnight to 11.59 every day. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a give and take. But I find that I actually really enjoy this life. What's interesting is I used to work at Walmart back a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It was like 2010. And I had a guy tell me, oh, no, all women want to be stay-at-home moms. And I. I immediately told him that he was greatly mistaken. And I look back yeah, on that. I was under the impression it would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you consider easier, I think. Yeah. So I know I have I know people who are childless, on purpose childless. And they get to go and they get to do all these cool things that like me and you wouldn't get to do. They go to concerts all the time or 
travel to Ireland or, you know, just go overseas in general. And it's like, oh, that would be cool. And then you think about the fact that you have to have like a, at least a five figure job and no kids. Yes. Or a five figure job and you take the kids, which doesn't sound like a vacation. No. Not both of them. We went... I would not take both of mine to the same place. <laughs> you do a lot, though. I do, yes. It's not vacation, though. Especially when you're with your family members and you're like, okay, so now my parenting is under scrutiny while I'm exactly. supposed to be relaxing. Yes. Last year, we went to Silver Dollar City the first week of November, which you know me. I, most years, except for this year, I'm a municipal liaison, which is like a $6 word for regional coordinator for National Novel Writing Month, which is a worldwide organization where we get people to write novels for the month of November. I was in Silver Dollar City for the first week of NaNoWriMo. Was it relaxing? No. What is Silver Dollar City? It's... A Christian theme park in Branson, Missouri. Oh, it, no. It's actually kind of cool. Um, but it's not... The time of year was horrible. I did not want to do it then. I didn't have any say in it because his parents got have the timeshare and they chose the time and Jason wouldn't go without me. So I went... And it's not that I didn't have fun, and it's not that I don't have fond memories, but in the moment, you have to realize, it was the anniversary of my grandma and my cat dying, and the first week of NaNo, and I'm on vacation with my family and my daughter. None of that sounds like fun. I was a mess. It was, it's fun to look back on, which is often what I remind myself. Because in the moment, things are like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't want to be here. And then the memories are worth it. Which calls back to last week. Because often, even during Christmas, just being over there, sometimes it's like, I don't really want to be here. I would rather be doing something else. But then I look back on it and I'm like, that was fun. That's good. Yeah. But I didn't get much me time. One day I was supposed to have me time. Nobody decided to go to Silver Dollar City, so I just hid in the bedroom all day. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, Could you please all go elsewhere? I am an extrovert, and even I'm like, please go away. Yeah. Because when you're on vacation with your children, with your family, and your in-laws, you're very... uh then you're really on because you don't want your children to misbehave even you're worried that they're going to misbehave. Yes. Then you're going to get the lecture about how you're parenting wrong and you really, really need me time for those reasons. Yes. So speaking of vacations, social hobbies can be important depending on whether you're introvert or extrovert. It is obvious, Cecily, you are an introvert. (laughs) Yes, I am. I like my cave. Yes. I'm an extrovert with social anxiety. It's very interesting. That is a really crappy combination. It's not fun. People are like, how do you handle that? And it's like, I go, yay, people. And then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, oh, my God, people, go away. 
<laughs> too many people. Because often I want to go do very, very social things. Like I'm in the Society for Creative Anachronism, which we're going to talk about. And I go to events, which will have like 100 people there. And I'm like, yay, people. And But I volunteer for so many things during the event that I'm so busy that I'm able to enjoy myself without having to worry about being surrounded by people. But volunteering is also my thing. Like I, you're too busy to think about it. Yeah. Which is kind of my joke if Jason ever actually gets into the SCA, which is the acronym for the group. And we go to an event and he has Andrea. He's going to turn around and go, where's Ray? And they're going to be like, she's at registration. And he'll go to registration. Where's Ray? She's in the kitchen. He'll go to the kitchen. Where's Ray? She's water bearing. He'll go to where the fighters are. Where's Ray? Uh, I think she went outside. <laughs> <laughs> Where is she? And he won't be able to find me because I did like six different jobs last time I was there. I did the registration. I helped make feast in the kitchen. I served feast. I did some water bearing. I was also taking pictures and making notes for the newsletter, which I'm a deputy officer of. And like I was very busy. And I was also there for setting up for the event the night before. Yeah, the night before. And... I was there pretty late after, and then I went to the post-revel where everybody gets drunk and sings songs. <laughs> so I was, like, gone from 6 o'clock the night before until, like, 3 a.m. Wow. So when I do events, I'm just gone, which is why when we talked about going to the camping event earlier this year, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to have Xandria. Yeah, no. Because I can't handle all of that and mom mode. I never take Xandria to no. events. I don't even take her to meetings anymore because it's too stressful for me to keep track of her when I'm by myself. Yeah. Which makes me understand why my mom locked herself in the bathroom. Yes. Everybody go away. If everyone could just not need me for five minutes. I have actually screamed that in my own house and there are only two other people here. So have I, and there's only three here, so, yeah. Could y'all go away for five minutes? Because I can't have Jason asking me to clean up a mess, Xandria needing mommy, and then Jason asking me to do a second thing. I'm like, I can only do one thing at a time. Yeah. There's one of me. That's become, like, my children are going to think it's my catchphrase. There's, there's only, only one of me, me, and I can only do one thing. Right? <laughs> Other social hobbies, though, like mom dates. I really enjoy mom dates. We were having one here, but we don't, we haven't had it in the last couple of years. We're me and some other moms. And the only thing we have in common is, oh, you pushed a child out of your vagina, so did I. Um, and we go yes. to Applebee's and drink. We have both successfully reproduced. We have successfully reproduced. And that's what we have in common. Yes. And we go to Applebee's and drink and complain. Which sometimes you need somewhere to complain to. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Playdates are also helpful. Like, we had a playdate yesterday. and But our kids yes. are old enough, especially since Patrick is 13. They can just mind themselves. Yeah. Like, I feel like I can turn mom mode off when I'm around you guys. Because 
I know nothing's going to happen to Xandria. Although she did get stuck in a tree at yeah. one point. <laughs> yes. I told yes. them to teach her how to be climbing lessons. Yes. I told them to go teach her how to climb a tree because she wouldn't go away. And they did. And she was in the tree. <laughs> and they forgot that she might need help down. We got her down. She's in bed now, so I'm positive she got out of the tree. I did not witness the getting out yes. of the tree, but I know she did, in fact, get out of the tree. <laughs> I can't remember if that was before or after the loss of pants in the reapplication. I think that was after the loss of pants. So she was up a tree pantsless. Well, she may, she may have had her pants back on at that point. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It's quite possible she... No, she was up the tree in her underwear. Because B was commenting yeah. that her underwear and her shirt were very pink. Yes. It's like, thanks, B. Yes. Pink is the priority. Pink is the priority, especially when you're a girl. Yes. Unless you're me, in which case, it's not. I was never a pink person. But everybody's different. Um, If you're going to do me time and you're going to do social activities... Whether you're a stay-at-home mom like us or a single mom, I recommend doing it without your kids because you cannot turn off mom mode while no. they're around. Now, our podcast is really for, like, stay-at-home moms because that's what we know. But that's not saying single moms don't listen to us. It's possible because we talk about interesting things. And we have things. no idea how they do anything. No. None whatsoever. I've been, I worked full-time, more or less, for two months and I have no idea. We discussed me going back to finish off the rest of the census work. And he goes, if you think you can keep up on the house. And I looked at him and I'm like, the last two months show that I am not capable of doing both things at the same time. Yeah. No matter how many hours in the week I'm working. It's just too draining for me. So we have decided we are not going to do that. The extra yeah, money would be nice. Idea. But the ability to move ourselves further is better than the ability to have the extra money since we just paid 900 in car repairs. It would be nice. But I have my Yukon and I missed her and she's so nice now. She <laughs> runs. I forgot how, um, how responsive how she is. How it feels to be able to put on the brakes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was I the love part. the feeling of braking forgetting that you do in fact stop faster than two blocks when going 30 <laughs> miles an hour oh my god that car is so responsive compared to Jason's car and I forgot that I almost tipped it over going around a turn I was like wow. whoa I, did, I, I mean all four wheels stayed on the ground but you know you get that feeling if you turn too fast Yes. I was like, oh my, this car is much more responsive than Jason's car is, and I forgot that. And the brakes feel really Me. nice, and the new shocks are amazing. I've got to go pull a fuse out of the engine, but Jason's taking that car tomorrow, so I'm like, you can deal with the really annoying warning light, and I'll do it when you get home. Because it's got a warning light that goes on, because they were air assist, um shocks and since we now have mm -hmm. ma now we have manual shocks it has a thing going the air assist isn't working like oh 
So I looked that up when I got home, and I just have to pull a fuse. But you have to, the car has to be off for more than 10 minutes, and you have to disconnect the, the negative on the battery to remove the fuse so you don't, you know, electrocute yourself, which would be a good thing. Yeah. Which sounds complicated, but I can do that. That's fine. It's not a big deal. I'm just happy to have her back. And we yes. are knocking on wood that that's the last of the car repairs for the year. Yeah. That's been like at least two grand in the last two months. But we're nursing along two cars. One is 19 years old. The other is 10 years old. And they both have over 200,000 miles on them. That's impressive. The Yukon has more than 250,000, I think. I could be wrong. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's pretty close either way. And Jason's car is close to 230. So, <laughs> car repairs are just a thing we have to deal with right now. But I was talking to my sister. And I was like, at least I know that if I were to hide your plane across the highway again, my Yukon would just eat anything it hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Well, the last time I hydroplaned, I had like a 98 Impala, and it was a metal body. And you couldn't even tell that I hit another car. I love cars like that. Yeah, now I only sideswiped them, but they took out a uh, highway road sign, and it totaled their new car. And I'm like, Ooh. I don't think I want a new car. Yeah, the insurance handled all of that. It was a huge mess and a large payout. But that's understandable. It's not like it was on purpose hydroplaning happens and once yeah. you're a hydro I was promised because I was still a new driver when that happened I was promised that uh once you're hydroplaning there is nothing you can do even the insurance told me there was nothing I could have done in that situation to make that better that was very nice of them to specify yeah because I'm like should I have done something different because I had no control and they go no once you start hydroplaning there's nothing you can do so let's talk about our hobbies because our hobbies are not me hydroplaning across four lanes of highway. I never want to do that again. That was no, horrible. No. That you... would be my least favorite thing to do. Yeah, I drive 10 miles under the speed limit now if it's raining. Because, yeah, never again. What are, you, yeah. what are your me time hobbies, Cecily? I crochet random stuff. Sometimes, like something that is mindless like a dice bag and sometimes stuff that will then look really cool and weird like a sea slug i love those things are so cool i will i will have to make you one they're <laughs> ridiculously easy and they look awesome and right. they look like you know way more about crocheting than you do i like to sew random stuff i sew lots and lots of bee clothing from time to time it was just so weird stuff. Like right now, I've been working on, I can't find any of my needles or I would be working on it. But I've been working on what I am calling Halloween microbes, which Ooh. are an eyeball fabric I found cut in like amoeba shapes and sewn together and stuffed. And then when, when I sew it together, I put lots and lots and lots of little legs around the edge and they're basically funky shaped eyeball things with many legs that is cool 
You also do chicken scratch, don't you? Chicken scratch um, embroidery? Yeah, I do embroidery sometimes. And I always think that I am going to do it more than I do. Because, yeah, it's really fun and it looks really cool. But it's like the only thing where I actually do have to count stuff. Like, nothing else do I have to count. Well, that's cross-stitch embroidery. The embroidery, like I do, doesn't involve counting. Thank goodness. It does, however, prove that I can stab something 10,000 times. Yes. That's always a very important skill to have. And advertise. <laughs> so do you want to... Do you know the definition of chicken scratch, or should I talk about it? Um, It's a type of embroidery that I can tell you what it looks like I guess it's you do it on on gingham which is the it kind of like a solid plat you talk okay <laughs> yeah you Chick could talk chicken scratch is something I don't know how far back it dates maybe the at least the 1800s um it was traditionally done on gingham cloth, which is like a plaid cloth where they would take a matching thread, this is what I've seen, and they would go over it and they would make patterns in the gingham cloth because they had the thread and they had the cloth on hand and it was probably something they did when they were bored, to be honest with you, because they didn't have a whole lot to do. Well, and gingham was really cheap for whatever reason. I would have thought that solid colors would be the cheap stuff. But apparently gingham was really, really cheap. And that's why so many dresses back then were made from it. And the embroidery would emphasize patterns in the squares. And so they would do that like around the edges of aprons and like kind of like smocking, except that it looks, I guess, kind of lacy on the bodice and sleeves of dresses. And it was a way to make really, really cheap fabric look really, really special. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. you and Allie just take like fat squares that are patterned and just yeah. go over the patterns, which is how I found yes. out what chicken scratch was because I was like, well, that's cool. And I looked into it and I'm like, that's really cool. So yeah. I buy patterned fabric always with the intent of doing that. And I never do that story of my life. I do a form of embroidery called split stitch, which goes back to the 500s, in, at least in England. Now, my persona is between 5 and 900 AD. Yeah, between 5 and 900 AD, before William the Conqueror came over and oh, okay. conquered England. And it was done on trim, like on necklines and on certain areas of dresses and stuff, and I do that. I just love it. It's stupid easy, and you can put it on any piece of garb, which is what we call our medieval reenactment clothing, and it will be period-ish. I mean, don't go putting the Pepsi logo on your stuff, but, you know, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. So I do that kind of embroidery. I also... I do fiber art in general, so, I do embroidery. I also weave. So, I can tell you, I think gingham was cheaper because dyeing things is expensive. 
especially red is very expensive. Now, it may have been cheaper then, but cutting it with white would make it cheaper because you're not using as much colored. And then you don't look like you're wearing... That makes sense. Then you don't look like you're wearing potato sacks, which is a thing they actually did. Yeah. And at one point, potato sacks came patterned because the manufacturers realized that people were turning clothes we're turning the potato sacks into clothes. Mm-hmm. So then you were buying your potato sacks for their pattern so that you could make them into clothes. I love that. I love that so much. So I do that. I do tablet weaving, which is a very narrow form of weaving. I can get about two inches off of my loom, two inches wide. And Athena, my loom, will warp about 20 yards. She is a beast. If I take the time to wow. warp her fully, I have never warped 10 yards on her. I think three or four yards is the most I have warped on her, which the outcome of that is between two and three yards because you have a certain amount that you lose at the front and the end. It's, that's just how weaving works. So I do, yeah. I do that. I crochet, I knit. I have dabbled in spinning. Me and Jason are talking about how much I want a spinning wheel. Because I am not good at doing a drop spindle. My mom is amazing. I have watched her just sit there talking and spinning thread. That is so cool. It is a a neat talent to have. But spinning on a wheel and doing a drop spindle are two vastly different techniques. It's like manually hand knitting something compared to doing it on a machine with a machine knitter you it's two completely different knowledge sets and i really want to play with the spinning wheel we were watching tudor manor which is on youtube on absolute history they had a walking spinning wheel so the wheel itself was taller than jason he's 510 and you would walk back and forth and do it. Aww. And I told him. Because she was doing it. And she was explaining how it's done. And I'm like that is amazing. I said and also she does not know how to spin. Because that thread is horrendous. <laughs> I said it's better than I could do. I'm not knocking her for it. But it is really badly done. It's like good enough to wrap. Things in when you're dyeing them. Or maybe tie your roast off. <laughs> maybe wow it was it was pretty bad but i i have definitely spun things that are far worse because they they would be able to spin very very thin thread doing that but when you don't have practice it's a craft and it takes practice and she obviously knew what she was doing she just wasn't skilled at it my superpower did you know this cecily my uh my superhuman superpower is i can tell you what a yarn is made out of by touching it. That is definitely a superpower. Yeah, so I can go in Joanne and I can just take a skein of yarn and almost 10 out of 10 times. It's like more than 9, but slightly less than 10. I can tell you what the makeup of that yarn is. Like, I can take a yarn and tell you if it has nylon in it. Now, I wouldn't be able to give you a percentage, but I can tell you if it's acrylic, I can tell you if it's natural, and I can give you a really really good guess of what it's made out of so that makes it helpful and i think part of it is i have eczema on the back of my hands 
So anything that is too rough, I can't knit with. Like Red Heart, I can't buy that stuff. The like Super Saver Red Heart is the worst yarn mm-hmm. I have. That well, the second worst yarn I have ever touched. Lions Brand Fisherman's Wool actually makes my entire arm break out. So Jason has one scarf made out of it. It's sitting in the room right now because Xandria pulled it out, and I can't really even handle it. Because wow. we thought I was allergic to lanolin, but I'm not the only person with this problem. It's something with their chemical processing. Just huh. my entire arm where the thread runs when I'm knitting, just rash. So that's like the worst yarn. Wow. But like really cheap yarn after that. I can't. I have also recently, as in this year, I've picked up wood burning, which I do to a more or less skilled degree. I am not superman at wood burning but i can make runes and dice and we're making my aunts a walking staff that i'm doing the background wood burning on when i have spare time which i haven't had so i picked that up and that's kind of cool i really enjoy cool. doing that. yeah i think it's really cool i enjoy it and i do medieval reenactment which means i go out and pretend like i am my persona from 500 to 900 ad which <laughs> Just kind of follows the stuff I like to do, the embroidery and the weaving. Crocheting's not period. Most knitting is also not period. They could do a rib stitch and a stockinette, and that is pretty much it. That we have in existence anyway. So, the more exotic things I do, the lace work and stuff isn't period. At least not the knitted stuff. And part of my medieval reenactment, especially right now during this year is the bardic circles which are singing circles and we have them every friday on zoom and at eight o'clock every friday everybody is shooed out of the room and i proceed to participate in this until like 1 a.m or later wow and that doesn't i mean i'm singing the entire time but they can't hear me because we can't do group singing on zoom because everybody's out of sync and yes zoom is awful for that yeah nobody's found anything that works for that so that's what i do i also read i'm a writer but i haven't written anything in the last year i was trying to edit something with my editor and i pretty much just gave it up i couldn't do it it's gotten to the point in that project where i just can't even look at it anymore and i've been working on it since 07 or something (laughs) And I just can't. It'll get done, but this is not the year that that is getting done. So there are also, like, mom groups, which can be nice, but they can also be very drama-driven, I found. Yeah, I I do not touch those. I don't so much either. It can be kind of catty. I enjoy, like, the going out to dinner, like, once every three months with other moms, but it's not something I would want to do weekly unless I really shared... Something aside from, I have produced a child with them. Yeah. I would have dinner with you every week. I mean, but we have (laughs) a whole lot more in common than I do with these mom groups. And especially if, like us, you're a conservative mom, and I don't necessarily mean politically. You have to be very careful in these groups because often they are not. And the last thing you want when you're trying to have some me time is getting attacked for whatever your beliefs are. Now, if you're with a group of stay-at-home moms, it's kind of less likely, but that doesn't mean that it's not likely. 
and you have yeah. to you have to gauge the toxicity of the people you're being around because if you're spending me time with people who are toxic to you and are negatively impacting you and your family then you may have to give that up for something else which is always unfortunate yeah for some reason mom groups and religious groups are like the two do not touch them groups on facebook yeah i any any mom group and any group that is centered around we all follow this religion because it turns into who is more of a devoted mom and who is more of a quote-unquote true believer and it's just really not good for anyone that does that does not sound like fun at all having said that mom friends i think are very necessary which is different than mom groups. Me yeah. and Cecily aren't in a group. There are... Yeah. There's we me. We just are. Yeah. There's me, you, and then there's our friend Allie. <laughs> and we just all happen to be stay-at-home moms. Who yeah. Sh- who share, like, a like of Stephen King and horror and weird niche stuff. And we all do different crafts. And we like sitting around playing cards against humanity when the children aren't around. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. We watch weird short things on YouTube sometimes. I mean, but I've been friends with Allie since I was 17 and she was 23. Which is actually, I think, before you met Allie. Yeah, she wasn't in college when I met her. Yeah. I met her in, like, I don't know, 2005? Yeah, so it's only a couple years difference. I met her in 03. Because she came to a play at the Hardee's I was um, working at, and I complimented her on her The Buck Stops Here shirt, because it it said The Buck Stops Here, and it had a dead deer, like, laying upside down on it. (laughs) And I just thought it was the funniest thing I ever did see. And that's how we became friends, because I saw her a couple of times, and we started hanging out, which was cool, and I babysat her daughter, who now has a kid. How in the world did that happen? (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand how that happens. Time is very confusing. Yes. And weird. And scary. Yeah. Ask my gray hairs. For some reason, saying that I have an 8th grader is weirder and older feeling than saying I have a 13-year-old. Right. I was really over- not sure why that is. I was over at my mother-in-law's today, and she goes, I swear Xander has grown since the last time I saw her. I go, scary, isn't it? I woke up one day, looked over, I could understand seven out of ten words she was saying, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) The biggest thing that, like, changed my parenting was having her potty trained. Made me realize how old she really is, and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Now, I waited way too long to potty train her. Do not potty train your children at four. Do it, do it younger. But it went okay. Quarantine was good for something, because suddenly I had nowhere to go and a lot of time on my hands. And it did eventually happen. Yeah, it didn't take as long as I thought it would. It was still rough, but it happened. And she picked it up pretty quick. I think she was ready. But I still think it would have been better if I'd done it earlier. But we don't have really any problems. I want to say she had an accident last week. Or the week before. Like, she made it to the bathroom, but didn't make it to the toilet fast enough. And she had one at your house because somebody was in the bathroom. (laughs) Yes. 
But these things happen and it's just, it happens less and less often. So in order to have me time, I think bedtimes are a necessity. Yes. Bedtime is the golden hour. I'm like, oh my gosh, because Xandria and my husband Jason go to bed within an hour of each other. Wow, that would be awesome. It is awesome. Well, Jason has to get up at 4 a.m., though, to go to work. Because he works 45 minutes from our house without traffic. So he has to get up really, really early. And I put Xandri to bed between 6.45 and 7. Which is getting easier now because in the summer, the sun was awake. And if the sun is awake, Xandria is awake. Yes. And I'm bashing my head against the wall going, please go to bed. I know Please the sun is bed. up. Please, Please go, to, go bed. to bed. So we've started establishing a routine where, like, Jason gets her in her pajamas. I brush her teeth. She gets two gummies and, like, two bottle caps. Yes, I know. She didn't give her candy. Once they're gone, they're going to be gone. But she discovered that Mommy had a candy stash. Oh. So. That's always sad and frustrating. That's okay. It's not the biggest deal ever. Oh, no, two bottle caps. Let me tell you, that child went through a pound yeah. pack of Twizzlers at my grandma's house. I was just praying. That's on the... amazing. Yeah, I was praying on the drive home last night that she wasn't going to start puking. Because <laughs> grandma asked, she goes, are you planning on coming back? And I'm like, well, if I was grandma, I wouldn't have loaded the car. And she goes, oh, yeah, duh. And I said, but if Xandria starts puking because of all of these Twizzlers, because she's so cute. Three Twizzlers, please. Of course. If she starts puking before we leave. I can't, like, drive an hour and a half with a puking child in the car. Yeah. So she starts puking after I start driving home. (laughs) I probably have to turn around, but I'm hoping to go home tonight. (laughs) Because I don't like driving in the morning. I much prefer driving at night, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. Because you don't like driving in the dark, and I prefer it. Yeah. I really like like driving. broad daylight. I like driving super late at night when there are no other cars because it kind of looks like... It reminds me when I was in plays and, like, everybody would be in the wings. And, like, the stage was just empty and that's what it reminds me of. And it's, like, my favorite time to drive. (laughs) Also, there's nobody on the road. But the sun messes with my eyes, I think, because of the prisms in my glasses. So, yeah. But I have to have them to have three-dimensional vision. So I'll take driving at night over driving in the morning. Yes. And the drives are tiring. So if I were to drive in the morning from Springfield all the way back here to St. Louis, I would be useless the rest of the day. Not that I wasn't useless most of the day anyway. I was pretty wiped out. But back to bedtime. So routines. So Jason gets her in her pajamas and I brush her teeth. She gets her vitamins in her bottle caps. She goes into her room and right now I'm reading her a chapter from Charlotte's Web every night. Although, yeah, although today I did try to pawn that off on Jason because I really hate reading out loud. I have always, since I was like in elementary school, hated reading out loud. So it's kind of rough for me. B has been reading me Redwall. I love Redwall. Couple chapters at a time. I love that book. That's a good series. I have them on audio somewhere. I've tried to reread them, but I can't seem to get into them now like I did when I was in middle school. Because I was not a very voracious reader before middle school, but I also didn't have glasses, so it's kind of understandable. When it's hard to do, you don't do it. I was going through books way faster than anybody else in my reading class was. Like, I think I got 115%. 
because I read so much. They'd be like reading 10 pages a day and I'd be going through over 100. I'd be going through like two or three <laughs> books a week. I went through the entire Little House on the Prairie series. My biggest reading accomplishment that I'm still proud of is back when they were still being published and only the first four books had been published, I read books one through four cover to cover of the Harry Potter books in less than 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I don't have the time to do that anymore. But that's also why, like, people are like, oh, it's a six-hour audiobook, and I giggle. <laughs> because the books both me and Jason read, 20 hours is probably on the low side. Wow. The copy I have on Audible of Stephen King's It is, like, 48 hours long. I mean, it's a long <laughs> book. Which is why I generally read it on, in audio format. I've read it on my Kindle, and I've read it in the physical copy, which I have that's all marked up from my dissertation. But I uh, prefer to do it on Audible because I can be doing other things, and then I can make bookmarks. I'm working on a long-term project that is a breakdown of it under the lens of the Jungian shadow. So it's like a psychological oh. breakdown of it using the Union Shadow, which is really, really interesting, but I lost all my notes, and Audible is still trying to get oh, them no. back. Yeah, and it's a lot of notes. So that was a problem. But I read a lot. I have not been doing a lot of reading this year so much. I've been more listening to podcasts. And now I'm making one. <laughs> for stuff like that, you have to set aside time for yourself, which also means you have to be firm with your kids when you tell them it's bedtime, but that doesn't mean that you're not yeah. understanding. You have to be like, I understand you're very frustrated. You want to be with me, but I need you to be in there. <laughs> yes. My requirement for bedtime is not you have to be asleep. It's just you have to remain in your bedroom. <laughs> yes. You just need to be physically in bed. I don't even require her being physically in bed. I just require her physically being in her bedroom. She can play. I do not care. Please be in bed. Which to me is just in your bedroom where you're not leaving and asking for things constantly. The, yeah. rule, the rule in our house is after 8 p.m. Mommy is off duty. I like that rule. I needed it while I was working for my sanity because I'd get back from work. I'd be very stressed out because knocking on people's doors... Who don't want you there. It's stressful. And yeah. I'm just like, I cannot handle you right now. I have to handle me. And she was having a rough time, which is understandable. Because mommy 24-7. And then suddenly, no yes. mommy. Lots and then mommy's not here. Yeah. Lots and then of mommy's Oma. back, but I can't have her. Mm -hmm. But she's bouncing back now. She's fine now. Yep. And for all that to happen, you have to be like an example of healthy boundaries. Like if they tell you... Not to do something, you have to not do it. Like, I will tickle Xandria. She's, she will say, no tickle, yes. no thank you. And I stop and I say, okay, I'm sorry. Yep. Or if I make a mistake or I yell at her, which happens, I am not perfect. I tell her, mommy was wrong, mommy is sorry. What can yes. I do to make this better? Because I read something once about um, how much more mentally healthy it is for children to have a firm grasp on not being the center of their parents' world. Like, yeah. kids used to grow up knowing that after they were in bed, 
their parents might have friends over for cards, drinks, you know, get together with the neighbors, and the children were to be in bed because parents had their own life that had nothing to do with children and that centered on each other and around other grown-ups and that it was it was psychologically much healthier for children to understand that and that they then grew into healthier adults and i don't know when but at some point i don't know mom's i think kind of turned it into a competition of who was more devoted to their children kind of thing Like, you know, well, what's the point of even having children if you're going to leave them with a babysitter? Well, the point is that I'm not just their mom. And I don't know. I just think society needs to get back to that. Yeah, and that's why me and you are not, like, we're not helicopter parents. I put Xandria in the backyard, and she is allowed to play by herself. And I will go, and I will check on her, like, every hour. But that brings up... she's learning so much there. Yeah. I check on her to make sure she didn't fall out of something and break a limb. (laughs) I mean... Yes. Because here's the thing. I know my neighbors. It's important to know your neighbors and to kind of know. You don't want somebody calling CPS when there's nothing wrong with your child being in a fenced-in backyard. Or in your case, your front yard. You are in a suburb where there is nobody. Yeah. So what pretty is, much the perfect location. Yeah. And people are going to be like, but it's so dangerous, somebody could snatch them. The reality is it's, the statistics show your children are 90% more likely to be taken by somebody they know than to be picked up by a yeah. stranger. And if somebody... It's a little bit like guarding against lightning when there really aren't any clouds out. Yeah. Can you be struck by lightning when there are no clouds out? Yes, actually, you can. But are you going to hide in your house and go, oh, no, your entire life? And you're going to have to let them go at some point. A podcaster I listen to says it best. The job of parenting is to work yourself out of a job. Yeah. They're supposed to not need you. Yeah. You want to give them more freedom every day as they can take it. That doesn't mean you take a one-day-old and you stick them in the backyard and leave them alone. (laughs) But that does mean starting at about two and a half, I allowed Zandri to go out in the yard by herself. And I turned the sunroom into a workroom for me. So I could be watching her, but she didn't really know she was being monitored. Yeah. And it's slow, and I've slowly backed up on that. And my neighbors know that goes on. Like my um, next door neighbor's lodger, who lives in her basement, actually brought Zandria to my door. Because she had got, she had managed to get out of the backyard somehow. I think the gate. Oh, no. Our yards are connected by a fence that has a gate in it, and I think the gate. Um, Jennifer had left the gate open on accident because she leaves stuff at our back door sometimes, and that's okay. And that happens. And Kevin came to the door and he goes, "I don't know if she was supposed to be here, but I found her. Like she, <laughs> she was, she was right between the houses. She hadn't gone anywhere." Because I don't know if she was supposed to be here. And I'm like, thank you for letting me know. She's not. I don't know how she got there. He said, well, the gate was open. I said, well, that's probably the problem. So we went, we shut the gate. And I got to meet her lodger. And he's a really nice guy. And it was okay. 
I sat on the stairs while they interacted, and he had told Jennifer later, he goes, I understand why she did it, but it's kind of sad that in today's day and age, because I'm a guy, she had to monitor. Yeah. Because if I'd been a woman, it wouldn't have been an issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And I told Jennifer, I said, yeah, I felt bad about that. But I also felt like it would be seen badly upon me if I just let them interact without me watching them at least the first time. And they'll, like, exchange leaves through the fence. And as long as they're on the opposite sides of the fence, I don't worry about it too much. If he's in our yard, I'm back there. Even though at this point I'm not very worried about it. Yeah. But it's not that I am not careful about what happens with my daughter it's that i try to be hands-off because she is her own person they are not children they are just small people with limited experience yeah and they learn how to take risks from being allowed to take risks yeah the when they're little they will make they will take risks that they think are dangerous and that if we step back we realize are not dangerous And if you allow them to do that now, they're not going to go jumping off cliffs when they're 16, which some kids do into, like, lakes and they kill themselves because they're, like, they want to do risky behavior because it's what they want to do. And since they have been coddled and just protected their entire life and never allowed to, like, climb a tree and get stuck in it or anything like that, they don't have an idea of what is safe and what is not. Yeah, I I read something once about kids who weren't allowed to play on jungle gyms until they were a certain age actually weren't as good at playing in slightly risky situations because they didn't know how to gauge it. Yeah. They weren't used to going, oh, well, this feels a little bit off balance. I should be more careful now. They didn't know what that felt like. Yeah, we've taken our kids to the playground and we've watched them get stuck on jungle gyms together. We've seen Xandria do it. There's that rock structure that scares the life out of me, mostly because I have arthritis <laughs> in my shoulders. And if she get, at least we have Patrick, because if she gets on top yes. of that and can't get down, I can't get up there anymore because I have arthritis in my hips and in my shoulders. So I can't get her down because I can't lift yeah. things that are above my head anymore. And I also can't climb it. So it's very scary for me when she gets stuck up there. But if we have a 13-year-old who can just, you know, jump up there. Because we're talking this thing is like nine feet off the ground. We're not talking about something that's, that's, you know. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And she knows she's allowed to make that decision. And now she knows I can't go off of it that way because that's not safe. And I'm watching my little nephew go through stuff like that because I met Babo today and he tried to go up the stairs and my and my sister-in-law, Ronnie, was like, no, Babo, no, you cannot go up the stairs. I looked at my mother-in-law and I said, now I know why you needed the cases of Pepsi because what we used to do was line cases of Pepsi along the bottom stair and even though Xandria could climb, if you put them on the like second stair, she couldn't climb over them at that point. Yeah. And Nan looked at me and she started laughing because I think she'd forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we used to do. We used to just, you know, block it. Not the biggest deal. I learned today that Xandria knows how to open baby gates now. (laughs) Oh, fun. Well, it's not a big deal. She was doing it over at my mother-in-law's. We don't really have baby gates here anymore. 
usually if we have one, it's not set that she couldn't get through it. It's more of a boundary, don't go through here. Yeah. Then it, it's like, I know you can open this, but don't go through there. Then it is an actual baby gate. I looked at Nan, I go, she can open baby gates. And I made like a cry face at her. And she goes, yeah, she taught herself how to do that today. I said, did she actually teach herself how to do that? Or you... Or with somebody being snarky, and she goes, no, she she figured that out today. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's not a, and for me, it's not a big deal. It's because she's been allowed to do what she considers dangerous things, I'm not worried about her going through a baby gate. She's yeah. had free range of their house pretty much for quite a while at this point. So I want to talk about therapy really quick. Like, for me time, I think it's important. Like I'm a trauma. Yeah. I, I I have been a survivor of a lot of different trauma, which at some point we may talk about, but we're not going to talk about it today. So when you're dealing with trauma and PTSD and being triggered by things that are upsetting your anxiety, having a therapist can be important, even if it's just like I need a therapist to talk to you about stuff that's going on in my house so that I can think it out. Yes, because getting you- an unbiased outside opinion. Yes. Yes, Cecily's therapist is perfect. <laughs> he is awesome. I really liked mine, but course, she resigned, so I don't have one right now. Yeah. Part of it is that he knows people everywhere, so, you know, I tell him that Brian's worried about something or other with mortgages, and he asks what our bank is, and, oh, I have a friend who works there. Let me text him a question. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I mean, it might have helped He's me a whole really lot. He's really good at his job. My social anxiety used to be so bad that I would sequester myself to one room in the house when me and Jason first got together, and I would not leave that room. I would go to the bathroom, I would eat, and I would be in that room otherwise. So the fact that I'm sitting here on a laptop in my living room and that I inhabit the entire house is a very, very big thing. It sounds so simple, but it is a big thing, and I don't know... If I would be able to parent the way I parent now, if I was still inhabiting one room. When I was pregnant, I was still pretty much just inhabiting that room. But it was also comfortable in there and I felt safe in there. And it was probably some form of nesting. Like this is my area to be pregnant. But I think that having an unbiased opinion is very helpful. So I think couples therapy is really important. But right now we're not doing couples therapy because Jason has his therapist still every week and I had a therapist every week. And then to do couples therapy on top of that, it was decided that it was too much work. That's a lot of therapy. It's a lot of therapy and you can't really work as a couple unit when you're trying to get through other stuff as well. It just becomes very overwhelming. And it seemed to be making things worse because we were both going through a bunch of different stuff with our therapists. Because we had to see a third therapist for couples therapy because of HIPAA and things, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we just all see mine. That makes it easier. Yeah. But our last couples therapist wouldn't see us separately. So it was just a thing. So right now we don't have a couple therapists. Before that, my therapist was seeing us together. We went from me seeing her only for trauma to going every other week. Like one week it would be just me. And then the next week it would be me and Jason. 
because I wanted to include Jason so he understood what was going on because I had a lot of issues that impact us as a couple and now as a family. But since we don't have that now, because she graduated and she moved back to Louisiana, now we do a lot of active listening and trying to be understanding. And if I notice that one or the other or both of us are having an issue, I'm like, let's stop. I need a hug because I'm having anxiety problems. And let's try to work this out because X, Y, or Z is going on and I'm getting upset. And we had that happen tonight because I'm I'm, I'm mentally exhausted and emotionally exhausted from being around my family. Like, I love them very much and I love seeing them very much. But family dinner was very stressful. Aww. And because of that, and there was a misunderstanding about who was prepping the brisket for my father-in-law's retirement party Saturday, I was just like, we need to take a second because I know I understand why you're upset and frustrated because everybody, including me, was in this conversation and we all thought you were doing it because you are the best at doing this. So I understand why you're frustrated and you didn't want to do this, but I'm also like, I'm just exhausted and I need a moment to just be with you. We can move forward from there because right now I don't know what to do because I feel like if I don't do this, you're going to be upset. And if I do this, which were two different things, I had nothing to do with the brisket. I've said I feel like you'll be upset. And I don't know how to move forward when you're so frustrated. I'm going to be upset no matter what. Yeah. And we we were, it had to do with dinner because he wanted me to make dinner and I started boiling water for noodles only to discover we are out of Velveeta cheese sauce and spaghetti sauce. Oh. So I was frustrated because the only fast thing I had aside from that were taquitos, which we keep in the deep freezer for Ray doesn't want to cook days, which today kind of was because I had to clear space in the basement because we have a clog in the ac drain line so i had to clear all of that area so jason can look at it i had to go to tractor supply to get chicken feed and oyster shells because apparently the uh eggshells on the chickens are getting a little thin so i've got to supplement them then i had to pick up the yukon and then i had to run to sam's for the brisket because jason was supposed to do that after work but apparently he didn't know he was supposed to do that after work he thought somebody else was doing it that sucks. Yeah. And I told him, I said, I went to do it to make your evening easier so you wouldn't have to do it. So there was there was a miscommunication somewhere. And I don't yeah. know by who or how. Because I was in on that conversation, so I don't know. But we managed it, and then we sat down and we watched. Uh, we started to try to watch Edwardian Farm, but it was a little too reality show with asides about... I hope I can get this achieved and that achieved by these historians. And I was just like, I cannot tolerate this. So he watched some Tim Pool with me because I was having a problem settling on anything. Like I was I'm just a bit of a mess today. Oh, it's okay. It happens. It's normal. I'm not like worried about it. But being aware that where I was... And being understanding of where he was, even though we don't have a therapist, definitely helped. If like you don't want to, if you don't want to do therapy, I I recommend couple therapy. But 
for some reason you don't want to do it, um, I recommend reading Nonviolent Communication. It's a book and it helps you have conversations when you're both upset. It's about active listening and how to respond and how to use I statements instead of you statements. Yes. So instead of accusing somebody by saying you are being, it's I feel like this is going yeah. on. I, I, and then understand, and then being understanding, which is the active listening part. Like I could hear his frustration. I understand you are frustrated because of X, Y, and Z. But right now I feel like I can't do anything to fix this and I am having issues and we need to take a minute to woosah and then we need to try to figure out how to solve the problem. Because, like I told my sister Katie yesterday, I said, marriage is not a fairyland where everything is better. It's a lot of work. No. It's work. It's a lot more work than people think. Mm -hmm. Do I love my husband? I love him very, very, very much. I just don't always like him very much. Yeah. yeah I mean. That's a good thing to know how to say. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, and he says it too. Sometimes he's like. I don't like you very much right now. And I'm like, I understand. You do not like me very much right now. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I love you. I don't like you very much right now. <laughs> I am frustrated. Naming your emotions is helpful. I do that with Xandria too. I can tell that you are. And giving her the name of, the, of mm -hmm. what she is feeling so she can identify it. So now we're to the point where I can go, are you frustrated? And we've been doing that since she was, like, born. Which, for the first, like, year feels really, really dumb. <laughs> they call it sports casting when they're super little. Okay, I'm going to change your diaper now, and I'm wiping your butt. And now I'm putting a new diaper on you, and this feels like the stupidest freaking thing you could possibly do. But it does actually <laughs> help, eventually. It's kind of like you have to explain to them why the sky is blue 10,000 times before they understand. Yes. I mean, I'm making a really big exaggerated statement there, but it is what it is. The question becomes, when do you include your children or your family in your hobbies? Which is something that's coming up here. And oh, I think that depends on how much of an extrovert or introvert you are. I think it can also depend on the hobby. Like, obviously, you don't involve them so much in the fiber art stuff. Yeah. Jason can yeah. talk to me about engraving all day, and I understand some of it. But after a certain point, my brain just turns on to the uh, Peanuts teacher voice. <laughs> and then if he tells me later, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't listening. Yeah. And he stopped listening after a certain point. And he does that with me. Like, he'll listen to me talk about fiber. And eventually, like, if he's not interested, he'll just let me talk and won't listen. Because you don't always active listen to somebody. It's more emotional when you're talking about important stuff. Budget, family planning, yeah. moving, buying cars, you know, stuff like that. You need to actively listen to somebody. If they're talking to you about something you are not interested in and you do not want to be rude, you do not need to actively listen to them. A good example of active listening versus non-active listening that comes immediately to mind is I watched the presidential debates last week. <laughs> which was something else. But I yeah. could tell that Trump was actually listening to Biden, whereas 
Because there's two forms of listening. There is actually actively listening to Mm -hmm. somebody, and then there is just waiting for your turn to talk. Yeah. And from what I saw, Trump was actively listening. This is my opinion. And I am not talking about politics. I'm just talking about what I observed. Like, he actually looked like he was listening. And Biden looked like he was waiting to talk. Which, Which, I mean... Yes, because Trump was interrupting him, but also, if Trump was saying something to him, he was not responding to what Trump was saying. He was responding to what he thought Trump was saying. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Whereas Trump was responding to what Biden was saying or what Chris Wallace was saying. And if you've read the book and you've done it long enough, you can, like, watch something and tell if somebody is actually listening to you. Or waiting for their turn to speak and you start catching it with yourself like, am I actually listening to what this person is saying or do I already have what I want to say in mind and I'm waiting for them to stop talking long enough for me to say it? Yeah. And then is that appropriate or not in this situation? And I'm not claiming to be perfect at it because I certainly am not. This evening I was trying very hard because we were both in a very rough spot where we were both upset. And that can go two ways. You can blow it up into, like, a huge fight. There are certain methods you can use to do that, but I don't recommend doing that if you want to continue having that person in your life. I've done it a couple of times when um, the relationship was not worth keeping, and I just wanted to blow it up sooner rather than having to deal with it longer. And then there's diffusing the situation. So you can either blow up the bomb... Which you don't want to do with your husband or your wife if you want to maintain having them. Or no, you can diffuse no, no. the bomb, which was what I was doing this evening. And was it calculated? It was calculated. I'm not pretending like it was That's good. Yeah. It was very much, I took a breath and I'm like, okay, we have to discuss this because I'm like near tears just because my anxiety is acting up. And you are angry. So let's deal with this right now and then we'll deal with everything else. But that's why therapy is important. Yes, very much so. Because being in therapy with Jason helped me understand what I need to do. And he does it too. And what he needs to do to help facilitate this. Because like we said, it's work. Marriage is work. You are two people inhabiting the same area who have different wants and needs that are mostly the same, but also different. And especially as a stay-at-home mom when you're like, He makes all the money, and I feel bad that I'm the one doing the budget. Although, in this case, Brian does your budget, but you know what I mean. Like, Yeah. I don't want this person getting upset with me. When you're a stay-at-home mom, it's more important. If you're both working nine-to-five jobs and you see each other for, like, two hours in the evening, maybe it's not as important. I don't know. I would hazard a guess that it's just as important, but for different reasons. So, we're talking... Jason wants to get more into medieval reenactment. Which up until now, because he is an introvert, has been my me time hobby. And I'm still trying to figure out how to incorporate him and Zandria into this while still allowing myself to turn my mom mode off. Yeah, that's, I don't know how that works. It's going to work badly to start with. But I, I basically, I was very upfront with him because he's talked about wanting to be more involved in the SCA, which is the medieval reenacting I do. And I told them, if you go to events and we have Xandria, you have to understand that I am not going to have Xandria. I will not be capable of doing the things I need to do 
as an officer, as somebody who does volunteer work while dealing with Andrea. I cannot do both. She's still too young, which is why I stepped out of the SCA for 18 months. And when I came back, I came back without her. Because that's like even on mom dates where you go to dinner, anybody over the age of six months usually doesn't come. Yeah. If a mom is coming and they have like a yeah. newborn, they bring the newborn because you need to bring the newborn. Yeah. But usually they reach like six, eight months and then you don't see them at those events again. So when Xandria started walking, it became harder for me to incorporate her into those kinds of things. Now she walked a little late, but like I painted a pavilion floor, which is the floor of like a tent for four hours or something like four or six hours with her on my back. Wow. In a carrier. It was fun. I got to interact with other people. And for the most part, she behaved. She was around two. She may, I think she was actually over two. She'd been in a baby carrier since she was born, basically. And she was in Ooh. it until she, until I got in the car accident, more or less. I mean, now she's too heavy. I can't carry her on my back. So reincorporating her into like the SCA thing is going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of patience for everybody. And I would kind of assume mm -hmm. that that's the same across the board. Yeah. Because I don't think you actually do a lot of external groups, uh, even when they're more available than, say, they are right now. Mm, no, not really. I have friends from church who've been saying for the last year that we really ha need to have another girls' night out. And... I don't think there's a nice way to say, no, I really just like you to stay over there. People don't generally react well to that. Yeah. I'm sure there is, but I'm not coming up with it right now. Yeah. Because I've done that. I'm like, that's awesome. I just don't have time for this right now. And I've had people tell me that, and I'm like, that's okay. I understand. When you're already, I am here. So, what are your closing thoughts on me time? Um, I think it's good to try to think of it as something that's necessary and not a luxury. Because, especially when our moms didn't maybe really have it, it's really easy to think, well, you know, my mom didn't do this, and... She's fine, but we're not the same people as our moms. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the furthest thing from my mom possible. But yeah, I, I think it's important. I require me time daily. I cannot function if I do not have time to be Ray. When I was going through my postpartum so badly, I didn't have me time. And I think that contributed to all of the negative things I had going through my mind because of the postpartum. Mm -hmm. Cause this is a brand new thing. You hand me a baby and suddenly I have a baby and I don't know what to do with it. And then suddenly I have it 24 hours a day and don't know what I'm doing. Yes. I'm pretty sure that happens more or less every time you have a new baby. Like, Oh my gosh, I've got to learn to do this thing again. Yeah. So I definitely agree with you. I think it is very very important. Even if you don't think you have time for me time, I think you should find it somewhere in your life to try to just chisel out like an hour. Yeah. Especially if you're a stay-at-home mom, even if it means staying up late, which is what I do. I think most moms stay up late for that reason. 
Yeah. Read a book, pick up a craft. Pick up something you can do that you can, like, be proud of at the end of the day, maybe. Like, I'm proud of the podcast. I'm proud of my crafting. I'm always excited to be working on something until it needs to go into timeout. Like my jacket that went into timeout for six months. But it's done now. Yay. You saw it. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm I'm proud of that. Like, even when I'm on vacation, like we were talking about earlier, I try to carve out time for me even when it involves locking myself in a bedroom and just not being available. <laughs> like, I am not available right now. Or just staying up late and watching silly YouTube videos, which I do almost every night. So, with that, I am Ray. I am Cecily. You can find us on social media. We are 80S Mom Podcast everywhere on Parlor, MeWe, Library, and YouTube. Our website is 80smompodcast.com, and you can email us with questions, comments, suggestions. If you have any show ideas, I would love to hear them. It is show at 80smompodcast.com. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, share us with your other mom friends. They might enjoy us. And until next time, remember, you can do this. Have a wonderful evening. Good night. And falling asleep. I know, it's really late. (laughs) Because we have to do this late because we're stay-at-home moms and we have to wait for the kids to all go to bed.